Welcome to another episode of the Metaverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin. This is session number 35. The Manaverse Podcast is supported by listeners like you. You should totally become a patron of the show and go to patreon.com slash Podcast. If you like what I'm doing here, become a patron and show me some love. A buck a show is all I ask. Thanks. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Manaverse Podcast, where I interview game store owners all over North America. Next week, I'll be able to say the UK, too, so that's cool. I'm on a mission to discover what makes the greatest local game stores around stand out and share that with you guys, my excellent listeners. Today we're talking to Joaquim Mendez in my first live in-person interview. Joaquim is local to my city of Kitchener, and he's the owner of KW Vintage Games. His shop is a little different from our typically featured LGS. It's about half retro games and half magic, and we dive into both sides of the business. He has a pretty unique approach when it comes to business, and I'll let Joaquim tell you all about it. So, my name is Joaquim. I own a vintage video game store. And we started to deal with Magic the Gathering about a year, year and a half ago. And so we now buy and sell retro games and Magic the Gathering. Cool. So how did you get into games? So the store actually opened because I was a collector and I had a lot of games in my house. And I really didn't know what to do. A friend of mine approached me saying, hey, Joaquin, let's open up a shop together. And I had 5,000 games in my house. About 1,100, 1,200 were in my own personal collection. The 3,000, I just didn't know what to do. And then we said, sure, let's open up a store. And we now have, or I now have a store. So who's the partner? Uh, the partner is no longer with the business anymore. That's what I was, uh, I'm pretty she, sure it's just you, so. She left day two. Which <laughs> kind of really sucks. That was quick. Yeah. Backed out, decided so, this wasn't for her. Yeah. And she was like, nah, can't do it. Yeah. Well, really. So were you originally like 50-50 partners? And she just like, oh, you got it, I'm out of here. She was going to run the business, mm-hmm. and I had the stuff to prep for the business. Okay, yeah. So she was going to be, like, here all the day. The operator. Day. Yeah. And you were going to be the backer, basically. Yeah. You bring the stuff. Yeah. Okay. So right now we're in a room with uh, 10,000, 20,000 games. Something yeah. Like, something like that. Retro games. How many, uh, how many magic cards do you think? 500,000? 700,000, maybe? A lot. A lot. Stacks and stacks. Yeah. We have set binders with all the sets and the cards inside the sets. And then we have four row boxes that are sorted in sets. And we have a lot of boxes full of cards that are not sorted yet that we're trying to sort through. So why'd you get into Magic? Like what? Uh, well, you started out with retro games. Why, why go into Magic? So a lot of people that play retro games, or at least our target market, are males in their early to mid-twenties. Generally, the owner of a business connects really well with their customers, and because I'm a male in my mid-twenties, that's just how my customer base are. Now, during the summertime, we want to go outside and drink and play sports and do outdoor stuff. And so the business suffers in summertime. So we listen to other customers that are coming in saying, hey, we want a place to play magic. Do you want to deal with magic? So you know what? We'll try it out. And so customers that want to stay indoors and play games and talk to people, they were coming in and they were helping support the business during the summer months when we were just really slow. 
and they would teach me how to play magic, and I would play with them, and that built up community because we're all playing together. I'm not the guy selling you cards; I'm the guy playing cards with you. Mm-hmm. The reason you got in is definitely one of the better ones. Yeah, it wasn't like oh, you saw the cash cow. You're like I'm jumping on it. <laughs> I knew what to do summertime. I was just so slow. Like we'd have four customers in a day, but just bad. And I mean, we have three in five minutes, or two in five minutes. Once right? it starts getting a little cold, you know, yeah. people start coming in for the video games. Because they want to play at home. Yeah. There's nothing else to do. You're at home all day. So it's very seasonal, then. It's hard to comprehend that, because with Magic, it's all years the same. Yeah, yeah it so doesn't really change that much. When you get to males my age, who are not cooped up inside all day, they go to their cottage all the time. They go out partying all the time. And so they don't play magic in the summertime either. Yeah, I guess that's that's true for some of them. But you have to. I think can think of a bunch are. of my friends who are also like that too. Like they yeah. play magic like three times a week, like pretty regularly, and then summer hits and they're like, oh, every weekend, every, yep. well, every four day weekend, they're like, oh, I'm out of here. Yep, I'm down to the cottage. But it's think ninety percent of our customers are like that for retro games. It's really hard to survive. Yeah. So was that like the first year? You're like the first summer. You're like, oh, I need to do something to fill this. Uh, it was so I didn't know what to time. do. I'm sitting here twiddling my thumbs, doing nothing for six hours. I need to do something. So let's play magic in the store. Let's have fun, make new friends, and. Oh, you ever tried like selling online? I haven't tried before. One day I will. Why not? I don't need to yet. And everything. Open up your market, man. It's like restricted list. Hmm? Let's see restricted list cards. Do you need to sell? If you don't need money, why are you selling them right now? They keep going up in value. So you're saying that all your systems up there are continuing to rise in value? It's ridiculous. Why we, is that? We used to sell N64s for $5. Yeah, I remember them being very cheap. Just a system, 5 bucks. Mm -hmm. This was like a year ago. What are they worth now? Apparently, $25 for just a system. Five times the value, huh? So what's causing the resurgence? What's going on? Um, so it's rising because it's supply-demand. Supply is relatively hard, apparently. Okay. But demand is very, very high. It's like shocks and fetches. When fetches came out, demand was still high. It didn't really change. And once cons stopped being opened and fate stopped being open, demand went even higher, and so price went higher. I remember when... Flood strands were like 15 bucks. Now they're 30. And that's only six months later. Eight months later, maybe? Yeah. And they're still in standard, still. Yeah, they're still in standard. still a set that you can buy. But it's just demand is so high and supply is low, and that's base economics. Interesting. So it's something outside of what's going on. It's, it's the customers. They're. They're demanding N64s well, and retro it's, games. It's a worldwide thing. Um, N64 is definitely the most popular thing right now. Huh. I personally think it's a calculated oh, yeah. thing. It's based on what did you play when you are 10 years old. And right now, people who have income and are buying entertainment or spending money on entertainment, they're aged 24, 23, in that range. And so they want N64 and GameCube, and everything's skyrocketing. Yeah, the nostalgia's coming back, huh? So why don't you sell online? So why have you never uh, given a shot, like eBay or something like that? So the online market's a lot harder for Canadians. 
because the shipping is so ridiculous, mm. and it's hard to ship with tracking, a lot of Canadian people ship cards out because to put it in an in a envelope is not hard. But the person can say, I didn't get the product, and they just steal your money. And that's a thing that happens all the time, because to pay for, sh for tracking is $10, and to pay $10 on a $15 card is ridiculous. Okay, it completely cuts in, well, it basically makes it a negative, negative cash flow option, there's no reason to do it that way. And it's just but not worth that. it, right? What system is this again? Um, that's Cygentis. How do you interact with, like, the EBs and stuff like that, that, you know... We'll buy a game for pennies and then sell it for 20 or $30. So we've all heard the story of, oh man, EB Games ripped me off. They sell a game for $60, brand new, and then I buy it, I play it for a week, I trade it in, and I get $4. Yep. And it's ridiculous. Or something like that. But again, that's the story we hear. Now, how accurate that is, is a whole different ballgame. It's, if you're buying a brand new game that's been on the shelf for three months and they haven't reduced the price yet, they're going to reduce it eventually. You just bought it at the wrong time. Yeah. And then when you're trading it in, because their used copy is half the price of that, they're going to give you half the price of what they sell it for, or less than that, to hedge the new price is going to come out soon. And we don't think of it that way. We just think, oh man, I paid 60 and I'm getting 4 But they're planning for the future when it's only worth exactly. 15 or something. The comparison is during pre-release a store buying a card because no one knows what the market actually is yeah. I mean you have let's say a new Kiora Kiora's $25 on pre-release day but as a store I'm not allowed to sell it for another week so I have to hold on to that card for 7 days before I can sell it who knows what the price is going to be in a week will it go up, will it go down, I have no idea but with Magic it could go either way with video games it only goes down there's no chance of it going up I would say like 99% of the cards go down from pre-release day. There's no chance of the video games going up. For newer release games, like PS4 games. Oh. Yeah, it's never going above the $70 mark that it is oh, right yeah, now. Yeah. That's tight. With Magic, at least, 99% of the cards will go down initially. Like, there might be the one that takes off, right? Yep, it's like, like oh, Hangerback Walker. The Gideon or something like that. It's like, yeah, it turns out to be great. Everyone was right. It was great. And then the rest of the cards kind of And so, as a store... Somewhere. As a store, how much do I pay for that cure on pre-release day? I mean, most stores pay 66% of whatever it's worth. But on pre-release, do you pay less? Or do you pay that same 66%? Because there's so many cards that are like 4 or 5 bucks, And those four hundred dollars cards become bulk rares. Yeah, they all become a dollar. Or so, less. do I pay $3 for that card? Or do I say no? I don't want that card? Or do I pay less for that card? Those are your three real options. So and what do you do? Saying, me personally, I what we did for this pre-release is we used the Star City buy list, and we increased it a little bit based on con conversion and what the customer wanted. Because I assumed Star City already hedged for that, and they were ripping people off, I thought. I don't know. On the buy list? Yeah. They were selling cards for like 20 and buy it for six. Okay. So it didn't make any sense to me. But I, t I told my customers, look, I'm real scared. I'm not allowed to sell cards for another week. I have no idea what to do. So we're going to need to start to do buy list if you want. Or we can wait a week and see where the card goes after a week. Um, Definitely puts you in an interesting position. 
a lot of stores don't buy cards that pre-released at all. Yeah, and I when I did the shop, I don't think I bought any cards during this period. I just, it seemed too risky. Yeah, but not a lot of upside, really. That's the, the thing problem. is, what if the customer is only limited player? And they don't care about the cards. They just wanted to play limited. Mm. They want to get rid of the cards. Make them an offer. Yeah. I mean, even if it's low, make them an offer. Because they'd rather a offer versus no offer. If you're honest with the customer saying, hey, this is what the card is worth. Um, I'm really scared for pre-release. Because cards are so volatile. They just all tank at some point in time. When the point in time is, I don't know. But because I'm not allowed to sell them for seven days, I want to hedge something. So we're using the Star Chase buy list. If you want, you can sell them to me. Or you can wait a week and then wait for a regular trade-ins. And nine or ten times, they'd sell to us the Star Chase buy list. They don't care. They just said, yeah, that's, that's yep. their motivation. They just want to play, so they'll take what they can get. Yep. And I guess that's part of that is also knowing your customers, too, right? If you don't know the person, the person's never been in before, and they're just like, oh, I want to sell you, sell you some cards, you have no idea what their motivation is, what they want to do. But if it, So I guess you can just still just kind of, well, this is the situation. Do you, want yep. to, do you want to do it that way? But being upfront and honest shows loyalty to your customers, and your customer loyalty to you, too. They know you're being honest with them, and honesty is something you just don't see much anymore. No, it's pretty unusual. Right. But people are pretty... Uh, pretty opaque they don't want to really tell you how everything's going on or no. the, the behind the counter workings or anything like that exactly like, just give me your money and leave please <laughs> sometimes sometimes some shops anyways but trust is so valuable like I know if a card's worth $20 and offered 6 and they found out later that's going to be detrimental they're going to be like, oh man he offered me 20% or 25% 30% of a card's worth in trade, that's pathetic. Yeah. Right? But if I say this is my reasoning and they know exactly what's going on, they know what it's selling for, what the buy list is, and why I'm doing this, then yeah, at least they know, the know all the details so that if yeah. they find out later on, well, they won't they know find why. out. They'll know exactly why. Yeah. Up they'll front, see both There'll be lists. no bad feelings about Exactly. So open eyes going into the deal. That exactly. Do you find that you lose deals that way? Like, do people are like, oh, well, then I'm not going to do it, or no. do people get turned away People that, are very people are... confused. That's fine. Okay. By the honesty? People are confused by honesty. They don't understand. Well, why are you telling me this? Yeah, it's, <laughs> usually you come in, you do your business, you get out. There's no, let's be friends. There's no, look at what we're doing, let's hang out together. That's not a thing that exists normally. And so, sometimes they don't know how to react. But when they come more often, they're like, oh, this is a normal thing. This is sweet. Yeah, this is the way you do business. I know we had a customer come in who hadn't been here before, but one of his good friends is one of our regulars. Okay. And I push trade on everybody. to Look, trade is very important. It helps keep the stock up for our inventory. And he was looking through one of our binders, and oh, sweet, Dark Confidant. That's an awesome card. Mm-hmm. And I said, here, take it. Take You need two of them. Take both and give me cards later. And he said, what? What do you mean? <laughs> like, you don't know who I am. These are $50 or $40 cards. Why are you giving them to me? Oh, I trust you. Don't worry. Come back. And that whole idea of trust is ridiculous because everyone in the store laughed because they know this is a very normal thing that happens in the store, but it doesn't happen anywhere else. And he's been playing for 15 years, let's say, mm-hmm. and it's just never happened before. But it's if we're friends... 
You might be surprised how unusual that is. I know, it's very unusual. It's very odd. The but way you'd be like, yeah, here, just take these cards. And then, you know, I trust you to come back yeah. sometime soon and give me some value yeah. for that. That's... The way I explain it to people surprising. is, as a small business, or a small business owner, I'm in my store a lot. And if I'm in my store a lot, it's like a second home to me. So yeah, I'm quote-unquote lucky that you're in my store and shopping here, but you're in my second home. And so it's, you're a guest in my home and I'm a host as you're in my home. And so we should treat each other that way. I have a lot of stuff in here. This is, respect my store, respect my home. And we'll respect you because you're here. I don't like strangers being in my house. I want friends and family to be in my house. Act like a friend and a family. I like that. Have you ever been burned doing that? Has anyone um, ever like taken advantage of that? We've been burned a little bit, but then that type of person doesn't come back. And I don't want that stranger. For $10, $15, I got, a, I got someone who doesn't want to be family out of our store. Which is good and bad because you're losing business. But is it good business or bad business? Or not so good business? Yeah, it depends how you, you look at it, right? If you look at the lifetime value of somebody, somebody says, you know, a really good customer is going to come in for years and spend all kinds of money at your store and yep. you know, be happy about it versus the person who's going to come in once and then maybe never come back. Technically, the total value is not really that uh, not that big a loss. So how do you price your stuff? I just Cards know, or like, games? Well, let's do both. Because I noticed when like, somebody comes in and says, hey, what's this? And you're just like, 20 bucks. You have like a price that you know immediately. How do you know? So when you're pricing anything at all, it should be tied to your cost. Mm-hmm. That's what it should be tied to. So if you know what your cost is on every card or every game, you know what markup you want on every item. And assuming you know everything, like if your bread and butter, it's what you've been yeah. doing for so long, you just know what your percentage markup should be and what it should be. Now, some cards and some games, they skyrocket in value, like Cavern of Souls just spiked out of nowhere. How much is it worth right now? I think 45 50 bucks. Crazy. Good thing I have four. Nice. <laughs> and if you paid 20 for it, do you really need $50 for it? And that's the real question. It's do you want to make your 35%? Because if you're paying 66%, you should be making 33% or 50% or whatever that works yeah. out to be. Or do you want to quote-unquote gouge your customers and get your $50, which is 250%. Right? Now, part of the game is it goes both ways because cards go up and cards go down. Mm-hmm. So some stores, they price they put a price sticker on every one of their cards tied to their cost. So it's... So I know they bought the card for 10 they're going to sell it for 15 to get their markup. Sure. Like, no matter what. But they put a price sticker in their in their glass display case saying this is what I need out of the card because they know what they paid. Now, there's more magic cards in existence than video games, so there's less video games for me to memorize. But if I know what I paid for each game, I know what I sell each game for. I just know. There are some... So it's just... Memorization. Memory. You've done it so often that you just know roughly where every game kind of sits. It's like going to a GP and selling cards to the vendor. They have a big mat with numbers on it that memorized every card and what they're worth. And they just put them on, on the play yeah. mat. One, two, three, yeah. five, ten. Blah, 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 I mean, blah, blah, blah. they'll make mistakes once in a while, but they know their product. That's just what they do. Yeah. Right? Um, 
some stores don't price their cards because customers get angry and saying, oh, you use TCG Mid, TCG Mid says 17, and why are you selling it for 19? Well, it was 19 last week when I priced it. I'm sorry. And so you have that dilemma. Do you want to have a card tied to your cost, or do you want to have a card based on market value? And customers get angry either way because you're either overpriced based on what it is or you don't have them priced when they want to have them priced and it's hard to please everyone. For sure. And magic players are a, a vocal group. Yeah. They're like, ah, they they go to the internet and they go to Reddit and they complain. It, it's ridiculous. It's, <laughs> it's hard to please everyone. So how do you price your cards? Like, for um, magic cards, I noticed the, you don't have any price tags sitting on them. We price them on the spot. So customer will bring in a pile of cards and, or tell them what they want because I know where most of my cards are. Mm-hmm. And the way price them. We'll, usually we use Star City now. Um, some people have said, let's go to TCG Player. But I don't like TCG Mid because it includes damaged cards. Mm. Um, and uh, TCG Mid doesn't make any sense. If you go TCG near mint condition, we might be doing that starting the new year. Um, we used face-to-face for a long time because in Canadian dollars. But I think Star City is probably the best way to go. Why? Like they're, they're definitely like one of the biggest buyers and sellers, right? So like, exactly, they're one of the biggest buyers and sellers. And a lot of the time, we get Russian cards and hmm. Japanese cards and stuff. And face to face and TCG just don't, don't have, have those cards. That makes sense. But Star City will. So if you have a Snapcaster Mage, they'll have the English price, the Japanese price, the Russian price, and it's great. Um, their inventory levels tend to be a lot higher than every other store, and it seems to be more more accurate. I know. We have a card called Stormwind, Stormworld. It's a Legends card that recently spiked after Black Vice got unbanned. Okay. And on TCG player, it's $90 TCG mid and 140 TCG high, which are both way too inflated. It doesn't make any sense because TCG player is not a store. It's an it's average. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to keep everything on par- like accurate when it comes to the more valuable cards. Star City, assuming they have it in stock, is usually updated. If it's not in stock, you're going to find another way to price it. But it's it's hard to price cards like that. Yeah, no, for sure. It's it's a tricky business, just trying to stay on top of magic prices in general. Yeah. So like, that's a question I like to ask pretty much everyone. Because everyone's got a different system. A lot of people just kind of, ah, put a tag on it. You know, like, they price it once, they check up, they look at the price and they get it. And then that's the price that stays until it sells. Well, that's tied to their costs. That's yeah. what it comes down to, right? Yeah. Which isn't the worst way to do it, but... No, it's, it's a way. It's a method. Yeah. You can't really lose that way. Just you minimize your upside as well. Well, like Sarkon the Dragon's figure. I remember when mm. that was a $50 card. It's now $4, $5, something like that. So if you sell a price like a 50 People are going to look at you for kind of yeah. funny for that. So you have to drop it eventually. But when is that eventually? Because eventually, like, it'll rotate under standard, it'll keep going down, 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 and you're wasting shelf space by having it there for $5. So having it there for $50 when people are aware roughly what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a question of how often you want to keep it updated. Like, I know fairly certain Star City does it, like, almost every day. Like, it's pretty much their business to be on top of the price. Um, or at least I know their algorithm is pretty good at keeping things uh, stocked. 
and up to date. I know cards that are not in stock are not updated mm -hmm. because expeditions were not updated properly. Well, that's. I think that's something that they can't do. Like, the way they do their pre orders is just yep. mathematically. They set the price, and then when it sells out, they restock yep. 40 more of them and then increase the price, and then just keep doing that. Well, but it happens automatically as the uh, system just keeps it. Hot keeps cards are hard to update as well because, like, Jace. I mean, when Jace spiked, you don't know how high it's actually going to go. And let's say they had it at 40, they can't just flip it to 100. Even it's still out of stock. They pick their price of what they want to sell it for based on the market. But if it's out of stock, why waste the resources to update a price that's out of stock anyway? I mean, that price is what they're selling it for. Yes, a lot of stores rely on Star City for pricing, but the price is for them to sell. It's not for other stores to peg against. It just happens to, hap to be that way, but it's not the reason why they have price on their site. So let's switch gears then. How long has the store been open? What's the total age? We passed our three-year mark last month. What was the toughest time? I remember when we first opened back in September 2012, I was really scared to open up because it's a business. Mm -hmm. You're always told 98% of businesses fail in the first three years. So day one, we had a lineup out the door for an hour. People line up an hour in advance, which is crazy. And we made $6,000 in sales day one. Again, absolutely awesome. And it helped me like feel good. Of, oh my god, this going to be really good. And then for the first month, it was really good. And so I spent lots of money keeping the more inventory okay. and prepping for Christmas. But October, sales were not as good as, as September. And then I felt really scared. And I had to <laughs> put more money into the business because I didn't realize... You have to budget how much you're buying versus how much you're selling and analyze trends. I'm analyzing your month, my month one, my, my week one, because if I made 6000 day one or 5000 day one, that week was like $15,000, which is just it was amazing. It great first week. But if I spend it all and I don't make that money back, there's a little bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So with Magic, a booster box costs the store maybe 100 bucks. And they only make to 10, 15% on it. How much product do you buy? Because the more product you buy, the better deal you get on shipping. Mm -hmm. But is that shipping worth it to have products sit on the shelf for X amount of time? Because you have to pay your rent and your employees and buy other stuff and make sure you're stocked on everything, but not too well stocked. You don't have money tied up in things that are not moving. Yeah, no, it's a very tricky balance. <laughs> You gotta have the exact right number of everything, yeah. or else you're losing money, or you're losing opportunity. It's a learning curve to figure out where that number is. So you gotta pass that first bumpy yep. few months, yep. and then kind of figure out where everything was gonna yep. kind of like settle to be even. Well, figure out how your cash flow would work. I really spend less in October, yeah. but then I really like I'm still learning where that curve is because it changes all the time. But you have to analyze daily and figure out, okay, people keep asking for this card or this game. I can overpay for this card now because people keep asking for it and even if I make only 10%, the customer's happy. And the customer's happy, he or she will keep coming back over and over again. But I have to have what they what they want in stock. The markup is not 
too, too important. I mean, I would love to make 33% on every single magic card. But even at 10%, I'm still making something. Customers coming back. You want the customer to come back daily or come back, hang out in the store for hours. They'll impulse buy random cards, which is always good. Mm -hmm. But you have to have the cards they want. Well, like, do you just buy like everything? I mm. have this policy where I don't like saying no. I like buying everything. Now, it all depends on what the price is, but I do like buying everything. And especially commons and uncommons. That's what I like buying the most. I mean, yeah, they don't sell too, too well, but if you sell a common for 25 cents, and you pay $3 per thousand, that's sweet. It doesn't take too many of those to no. make up your cost. It takes up a lot of space. But every once in a while, you luck out, and you get like a dollar card, like a Delver, or something along yeah. those lines, right? And I mean... It helps you build up faster, and when new players come to the store, you give them a sweet deal on commons and uncommons. We had someone today say, hey, how much are 500 commons? And it's like, I have lots of commons. I can sell you some commons. Do you want older commons or newer commons, or what do you want? Because I can give you whatever you like. Mm -hmm. But we have a lot of newer players that come in, and they learn quickly, because we have a great base of customers that aggressively want you to learn how to play better. The way we're taught is the best player can only be marginally better than second place. You can't be exceedingly better because you're not playing against people that push you. You need people that push you to get better and better and better so you can do better and better and better. Yeah, of course, you want to play with good players to keep yeah. getting better. So is that actually something that happens in this, the local community, that uh, people promote like the skills of other people? In our store it does. I don't know how it is in other stores, but I know... With me personally, I've been playing for about a year, and I was 3-1 Modern last night. Um, I play Limited a lot. I usually get prizes, not just here, but in other stores as well. Uh, we go to GPs, we do side events. I don't do, I don't get day two. I've never been day two at a GP, but maybe I will one day. Um, if you've only just started playing, that's not yeah. really, you got lots of time to figure that out. I make lots of mistakes, but I learn quickly. Sideboarding's a lot of fun. That's pretty much what magic is. You make lots of mistakes, but you learn very fast. Even the best players make a ton of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. You can never be a perfect player. No, you can't. It's impossible. So, when you decided to get into magic, what did you do? What was your uh, your initial push? You just like, ah, I'm gonna start buying cards now. Is so. I know this sounds absolutely ridiculous, but I somehow had twenty thousand magic cards. I don't remember how I got them, but I had them. And we had them against a pillar where people would grab whatever cards they wanted and paid me whatever they thought was fair. Because we're a family. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because we're a family, you don't want to rip off your friends. So they would essentially know what cards are worth. I have no idea. I didn't know what Star City was. I didn't know what TCG Player was. I didn't know what these things were. And I don't know what I sold. I have no idea. But... You don't want to rip off your friends. And if we're a community, we're all friends. You want a deal, but you don't take advantage of me. It's it's not cool that way. So that's what we had. And then we started limited. Because I can buy a box, we can draft a box, or play steal the box. That's easy to get into. Exactly. And then eventually, people will trade in those singles, and then we'll have some singles. And I'd buy collections. I had old friends that would buy and sell video games with me, mm -hmm. that had binders and binders of duels, like real duels, the legacy ones, and then say, hey, Joaquin, do you need some help? And they'd help us out. And people would sell cards on consignment in here, 
just to help the inventory go up a little bit. Uh, we had deals where people would ask, I need this card. I would text a buddy, and they would bring the card within 20 minutes, and they would get 70% of the sale, and I would 30%, which is something which is great. But their card's all organized at home. I can't buy their collection because I don't know what I'm buying, but it's starting. Right? People are saying, oh, Joaquin doesn't have a good selection, but he can get it within 20 minutes, so it's fine. Mm. So you had some people help you out initially to yep. get you started. That's good. What would you say your biggest success is? Like, what's the one thing that stands out to you that, that you're the most proud of? Probably opening up a store. Just the whole idea of opening up a store is facing my fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to open up a store five, six years ago, and it was a big fail. And so I said, I'll never open up a store again. And I did this time. So I guess facing my fear is a big accomplishment. You tried something similar? Five, six years ago. What went wrong with that one? Uh, my partner stole everything. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's a pretty big hit. Yep. It was down the road from here. It was on... Do you know how Holy Guacamole is? Yes. I think so. Duke and Weber? Or Duke and Frederick? I'm sure if I saw it, I'd be like, oh yeah, I walked around all the time. Yeah, I had a store there for like six months. I'm not so bad. Ugh. You'd be surprised how many people have bad stories with their partners. Oh yeah, it's absolutely horrible. Technically, it started out with a a rough story. Not as bad, but... yeah. Someone just be like, I'm out, two days in. Oh, man, so bad. Oh, I didn't want to go to day. That's why I wanted to shut down since day two, because I never wanted the store. You just decided, like, oh, maybe this isn't the thing that uh, well, what we fa- want to keep doing. Failure's not an option, the way I was brought up. It's, you just don't fail. That's not a thing. So you, you're dealt cards, you... Make it work. Make it work, yeah. It's a good attitude to have. Back against the line, just got to do something. Yep, just do it. So what excites you about working in the game business? I get Why meet, games? I get to meet really cool people. <coughs> um, because a lot of our customers of my age have similar interests, it's great. It's like making friends without going out. It's sweet. People are in my home, and we're just chilling playing games or chilling after hours playing games. We'll go out to the bar together. Like It's it's awesome. You make a whole new friend circle in addition to your old friend circle as well. Then you just, like, you'll have conversation with them. Mm. It's not a come in, buy your shit, and get out. It's come in, hang out, let's be friends, and then you can leave later on. Yeah, it's a very oh, different kind of retail experience. Yeah. Sounds good. <coughs> what do you do to bring in new customers? Do you reach out at all? Like, do you do any advertising? Or is it just, you know, word of mouth and people just start coming in? So something I did that some people, a lot of people hate is whenever someone comes in, I, I talk to them. And I give them a stack of business cards. I don't give them one. I give them a stack. Because you don't have one friend. You have many friends. Mm-hmm. So if you enjoyed our store and you love our store, and you want to bring more people to our family, our, my second home, here, give them business cards. We also have a Facebook page with 11,000, 12,000 followers, something like that. And we run contests all the time for like sharing, liking, and commenting. Sharing, liking, commenting on our yep. page. We promote you to interact with us on Facebook. Um, we have a magic group that people interact on the magic group as well. We text our customers all the time saying, hey, we're drafting. Do you want to come? And so it's sweet for that to happen too. 
And when you get good service like that, you naturally want to tell all your friends. Um, there's another local Facebook group, like Local to Kitchener, yep. that has 20,000 followers. And we've been good friends since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're both about the same age. And ground up, we work together. So we grab customers from them a lot of the time. And they grab from us too. And it works both ways. So that's another way we, that we get new customers. Christmas time, we try a lot of crazy stuff. Last year, we tried pizza box toppers or pizza box advertising. So when you buy a, a pizza from a certain store, there'll be a flyer on top of it or taped to it or what have you with our store name on it for people to come in. It didn't work very well, so we're probably not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, know, you have to try it and find out, right? Exactly. It's well, all about it trial and error. Yeah. Uh, we support a lot of businesses. A lot of bars have our products in their bar. People that play like Mario Kart because it's a great drinking game. Mm. I mean, you can just chill and play Mario Kart. Uh, some cafes have our games, and they just talk to us, say, "Hey, we're running a bar. Can we buy product from you?" And I'll say, "Hey, just grab some product. Just let people know about our store, because I can make two hundred bucks on the sale, or you can just send people our way. I'd much rather you send people my way." That's a lot of interesting. Unusual techniques. I do a lot of strict stuff. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of work, though. Like, do you manage the Facebook stuff all on yep. your own? Like, just constantly putting things out there? I don't really know how to do social media. I know how to do in person, let's be friends. Because I, if I actually want to be your friend, then I know how to, like, it should be basic. But if I'm talking to 15,000 people online with a Facebook post, I have no idea how to do that. Yeah, it's a people, very different voice. Well, people get mad at different things. I remember when we moved a year and a half ago, we moved two doors down. Mm-hmm. We were in the same building, same every, same parking lot, same everything. Just two doors down because the unit was vacant and it was double the size. And we, ha- and we posted online saying, hey, we're moving two doors down. Save everything. We'll be closed for two weeks to set up the new place. Mm. Double the size. You guys will all love it. We had a group of people get furious at us because we moved and they said you are not wheelchair accessible and you are still not wheelchair accessible. And my response was, I didn't like. I didn't move far. I'm in the same building. I haven't moved anywhere. Like it's. You didn't build the building. It's either. actually five steps away. And this argument went on and on and on for like three, four days with 200 comments on it. It's how do you keep everyone happy because moving two doors down is not a big big thing. I just didn't get it. No, again, I, I understand. It's like nothing actually, like nothing really changed. Your location yeah. is still pretty much the exact same. Exactly. Like, would they be angry if you said... Hey, we're not moving today. We're in the exact same location, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're still not wheelchair accessible." It's almost the same argument. I, I didn't get it. Like my my head was hurting. <laughs> um, we've had debates about vaping because vaping is allowed indoors, but is there any negative effects towards toddlers? Uh, I don't know. And so it's just hard to have a, a conversation with one person online, other people are going to chime in, and you'll have a 300-person debate. And that's really hard to control. 
Yeah, that's that's a mob, not really a yeah. conversation. We had store owners of vaping shops chime in as well. Well, of course. They're a bit biased, though, right? But I knew who they were before. They just, people would tag them, and then they would chime in, well, and then I'm we'd an talk. I'm an expert on vaping. I, yeah. I definitely just get my opinion in this. Oh, man. So this is a good one. So many have tried and failed in this business. There are a lot of stores, like you said, 98% uh, of businesses <laughs> close within the first three years. I probably bet it's higher for game stores. I didn't know that. It's it's a rough industry. Okay. So what do you think makes the ones that uh, that succeed, that stay open longer, like your store? What What's the difference between them and the ones that close up rapidly so, or just don't make it? I know me personally, I've bought out five stores. And I don't know too much about those stores. I don't know too much about the stores that, that succeed versus don't succeed. But from what I can tell is, at my store, the service is good. I get to know people's names. We're friends. And if we're friends, you want to come back to me. I know with a lot of... I want to say magic players, but I feel like that's categorizing and that's not a good thing to do. So a lot of people are not loyal to one store. They'll go everywhere and anywhere who has the better deal. And I know something that's happened in this store specifically is... We'll have a card for sale, and they're here. They want to buy the card, mm. but it's twenty-five cents cheaper somewhere else. Really? And so they won't buy it. They will drive to the other store to save that quarter. Now that is absolutely ridiculous, and there's no loyalty to the store whatsoever. And it's if you're not loyal to us, should we be loyal to you? I mean, when special product comes in, like from the Vault Angels or from the Vault anything. We get a limited amount, and who gets what? That's the question. I yeah. mean, you can say first come, first serve, and they'll line up for three hours, or you can... And then the first guy will be like, I want them all. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to limit one per person. Yeah. But some people say, hey, me and my brother want them. Yeah. Right? What do you do? So I know with us, we take half of the product, or two-thirds of the product, or a good amount of it, we make a list of the top 15 or 20 customers that support us. Mm-hmm. And when I say support us, I don't mean money you've spent in the store. I just mean supporting us. So come to our re- weekly events, bring your friends here, trade stuff in, what have you. It's just supporting us as a whole. Because our FNMs are not 70 people, our client base is not crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had 15 16 people here present for Modern last night. So you know what our clientele is like. But they do go to other stores as well. But they're still loyal to our store. They say, hey, Joaquin, this is my situation. What can you do? This store sells this card for $1.50 cheaper. Can you match it? It's like, sure, I'll match it. Thank you for talking to me about it. Yeah. If you don't talk to me about it, I can't do anything. But you're, you're giving me first chance to match it. And you're going to go there anyway in two days for their Modern night or what yeah. have you. So it's not like going out of your way to go there, but you know you're going there either way, but you want to buy it from your friend, Joaquim, who hangs out with you. Yeah, if right? you can, why not? Yeah. yeah. So that whole loyalty thing is a very, very big thing in this business, I think. They can buy cards online. They can buy cards from their friends on Kijiji. They can do whatever. But it's how do you get them to be loyal to you? What do you have to do for loyalty? It's be friends. Your friends, you're loyal to your friends, unless... You're not loyal to your friends, which you yeah. shouldn't be friends anyway. <laughs> you're not really friends. Yeah. 
Um, but support goes two ways. It's not a one-way street. And a lot of people say, oh, I'm supporting you because I'm going to your store and I'm playing your events. Well, I don't make any money off the events. So, yeah, you are supporting me, but support me wholly. Don't say, oh, I will go to your event and play in your event, but I'll I will buy, buy all my cards, cards at a different store because shopping. they are 2% cheaper. It's Loyalty is two ways. Yeah. Support us, we support you. Right? I know I had an argument with a customer with someone last week about that, and they say that they support this one store. They go to all their events, or not all. They go to their weekly events, yeah. but they don't sell them anything. They and they don't buy anything from them either. Oh, sorry, they buy things from them once in a while. They don't sell them anything because their prices they just don't pay enough. But they claim to support the store. It's, no, they don't make money off of you. You are supporting them, yes, but you're not loyal to them at all. And Hmm. Having loyal customers is great. I mean, we have a customer here in the middle of the afternoon saying, hey, I want to draft. Yeah. And there's just one person. They don't really want to draft with one. So we'll text people and say, hey, do you want to draft? And we'll get eight people to show up in half an hour. It's great. Because we're all friends. We all want to play. And we have a great place to play in. And customers will get text messages from me saying, hey, do you want to draft? It's crazy because that doesn't happen in any other store. It's, they'll post on Facebook, maybe, or a customer will text people. Not the store owner, but I want you to have a great time in my second home. Right? How do I do that? Let's get more friends to come. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Let's get a party going. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's a little bit different, but it works. Um, the second thing is price versus inventory. And when it comes to that, it's you can either have a great inventory... Or have a great price. Use one or the other. Because if you have a great inventory, if your price is great, people are buying everything and you don't have a great inventory anymore. Mm-hmm. If your price is reasonable, then that's fine. If you have a high price, nobody's going to buy anything and your stock just sits there forever. You have to find that medium between price and st- store inventory. But me as a consumer, I don't care about that quarter. I'll pay that extra quarter if I know you have it. I'll pay an extra 5% if I know you have it. I'd rather yeah, be able to... G- there's definitely a premium for having <coughs> selection. Exactly. Like, I can come here and be like, do you have Manic Confluence? And you're like, yeah, I got a bunch. Here you go. Exactly. You're like, I got that card, no problem. But I can buy it online and get it in a day or two, or I can support my LGS that has it in stock all the time, so that as long as it's not a huge price like differentiation then it should be fine. I don't mind paying extra dollar to support my LGS who supports me and they have the cards that I want. That's awesome. I don't want to drive around the city going to eight different stores hoping one of them has it. Gas yeah. and time is worth something. For sure. Yeah, especially with that story of the guy who goes for the, the quarter. Like, you definitely spent more than a quarter's worth of 100%. gas just to go get it. Plus, how much is your time worth? People kind of forget that part. Like it's not like it's not free. It's your only really finite resource. Yep. Uh, so what happened to the other shops? Like why do you think they got to shut down? That you ended up buying. buying I think cars? inventory. Just too the, small. It's. Just not I know we bought out game stores, not magic stores. We bought out game stores, not magic stores. And so when I go in and I say, "Hey, I want Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo." Mm-hmm. It's a common game. It's a very popular game. It's a common game. And if you don't have one in stock for the next two months, 
what do I do? I'm forced to go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, in those two months, you probably got three copies, but they sold instantly. And so, where do, what do I do? As a, someone who works 9 to 5, where do I go to get my game? I can't go to you anymore, because you just don't have the, the game stock, ever. Yeah, you can't be a patron even if you wanted to. I, I want to support locally, but what else do I... I'm forced not to. And if that happens over and over again to many different people, you lose your customer base. And you have to shut down. Hmm. So when it comes to retro games, the... The name of the business is really have it all. Like get, we'll Try say, and have as much in stock as possible so you can always kind of satisfy the person's need. Well, same thing with Magic, right? It's Again, Magic's cheaper to ship, but people steal, and that's a whole different ballgame. But if I'm playing at a PPTQ this Saturday, and I need to buy my deck, and I need, I don't know, Abbot of Carol Keeps, and my Elgis doesn't have it, it's... Are you A... Are you able to get it for me by Saturday? B, do I go online to find cards? Or C, do I go to a different store? Or do I buy online? What do I do? What are my options to get my Abbot of Carol Keeps for the weekend? Mm-hmm. So they'll drive wherever. And if this one store that's half an hour away always has it, do I now stop going to the other two LGSs or the other two local stores and just go there? And now those two stores are losing me the customer when I'm going to one, two, and then three. Because I'm just going straight to three to get that card. Yeah. I know that happened to us three days ago. Customer wanted Jace, and every store in the season sold all the Jaces because they're a $100 card. And I asked them, I haven't seen you in like six months. What's going on? Well, I have most of the cards, but I thought you would have it because you have everything. Sure, makes sense. Yeah. I guess that's kind of the reason why places like Star City have done so well. Because <clears throat> they you can pretty much count on Star City to have 99% of the cards in stock. Like, except for like the really rare stuff. Rumor has it, if there's something out of stock and you email them saying, Hey, I want this card of stock, I'm willing to pay this, they'll yeah. sell it to you. It's a rumor. I don't know how true it actually is. Hmm. But they have a huge reserve of cards too. And sometimes they don't know how to price a card. So they just haven't done it yet. You just wait. If you say, I'm willing to pay... 50% more than whatever you sell it for, usually. Maybe they'll magically find it. Who knows? I can see that. I can see they that. probably have contacts as well that have cards, and if someone's desperate for the card, willing to pay more than they should be, they'll magically find one. No, that makes sense. It's the same thing as, like, interstore kind of trading and stuff, I'm sure. Exactly. I'm sure they've got, you know, deals with Troll and Toad and stuff like that. And you're like, yeah. oh, you, do you have 40 of these? Oh, yeah, let's bring them in. I've got customers for that, and, you know. Yep. Work together, right? But again, it works two ways, not just one way. And yep. that's why especially probably did so well. I think it's well, I think it's that. Just availability. I think yep. that's a big reason. Because especially with online. Because if you're gonna get an order, you you only want to ship once, right? You don't want to go and go to face to face, buy yep. like two cards, go to Star City, buy like a bunch of cards, go to TCG and like you don't wanna pay shipping multiple times. Exactly. It doesn't make it worth it. So you might as well get them all from one spot. And that means you go to the person who's got all your cards. But I also don't want to waste my time going to eight different online stores to try to find them. I mean, if I find them all at one store and pay $3 more, do I care? Because time is worth something. And going on eight different sites is going to take me another half or an hour. And I get paid more than $2 an hour. Yeah. Right? Everybody does. 
pretty much. If you don't have a job, then I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Right? If you're broke. <laughs> broken. Uh, well, I mean, some people almost. are broke. Like, I was a student. I remember getting craft dinner every day for a long time. But it's it all depends on where you are in life right now. Yeah. And what you value. But yeah, I think the other reason Star City's done so well is specifically their open series. Yeah. Like, people like them. It's huge. I remember when they started doing that and how popular it was at the beginning and then it actually grew to the point where now there's an open series almost every single weekend. It's crazy. Somewhere in the city or somewhere yeah. in the country. And it's like, hey, we're not talking small Sorry, small amounts of money, right? Uh, it's like, they pay out huge amounts of cash every weekend. Well, I know we have customers that don't go to events that are below 1K. They only, like, they don't go to weekly events at all. They're just not worth the time. They want to go to 1Ks, 2.5Ks, 5Ks, 10Ks. They just don't want to go to small things. And so where is the big event in within a three-hour radius? Where do they we, go that weekend? We don't really have one. Well, it's well, we have well, Toronto. There's Toronto, right? like Toronto, like uh, MDSS. That's yeah, a thing. Or the uh, the Sunday Showdown at Face to Face that we talked about a couple yep. of episodes ago, where uh, Kelly was doing the one thousand. It's a one k every Sunday. That's his thing. Yep. And just started doing that, and that's pretty much the biggest event in the local area. And PPTQ That's not like well. a PPTQ or something like yeah. that. What do you do for tournaments here? Uh, do we weekly or what? Well, do, do both. Like, what's your weekly schedule look like, and then? Do you hold bigger events? So we hold PPTQs once every three months. That's what stores are allowed to do. And GPTs once a month and once every other month based on what GPTs there are or Mm -hmm. what GPs are going on. Um, The city of Kitchener has given us a sweet deal on the Kitchener market across the street. It can hold, I don't know, 800 people. It's pretty insane. But they want to support local businesses. So whatever local business needs that they can help out with, they're going to help out. Um, it's not free, but it's it's at a good, a good price, price that we can hold all our PPTQs there and get lots of people to come out. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest event we've we've uh, run at the yep. store so far. Just PPTQ. I don't think we're allowed to hold anything else. Well, nothing else wizard sanctioned, I suppose. Yeah, like you can just throw up a big prize pool and call it a, a magic tournament, right? You don't have to. Well, our PPTQ. Have a GPT. Yep being sanctioned that way. Our PPTQs, we usually ha- make the 1Ks, mm. so they're guaranteed 1,000 price support, which is good. People, We got people from Buffalo that came down for the last one, which is kind of strange, but it, it was awesome. Hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. Strange place to draw from. It happened. Yeah. It's interesting that you've been... Uh that the information gets across the border and people are like, yeah, it's going to the Kitchener PPTQ. Well, people want to get their buys and they hear that the venue's a good place. It's not bumping into people with your arms. It's, you have space. It can, oh, fit, a, it can fit 800 people. That's what the the people were saying? Yep. They, they said, really like the place? They said they've heard good things about the place. That's interesting. Um, they've heard about the store. It's not too, too far. Buffalo's, what, three, four hours away, I think? Yeah, it's not like the worst drive ever. Yep. Um... They were taking advantage of the U.S. dollars, so they all paid in U.S. dollars, converted <laughs> it to Canadian, and said, I'll give you a little bit on top, but take U.S. money. So they saved money that way. And that's actually pretty fair for them. That's yeah. one of the weirder things right now, the fact that... Uh, I'm not sure what the exchange rate is in, at the moment. I think it's like 75 really or something. Really, so bad. really bad. But yeah, for the Americans coming up across the board, it's great. Oh, yeah. 25% extra on whatever Everything. they want. Yeah. 
Yeah. But that's just Canadian economy stuff. But if they're entering Canada, it matters, right? Yeah. Hmm. I'm kind of surprised that more Americans don't come up here to play. In, like, our bigger events. Canada's a small America. Why do you want to go there? (laughs) Right? Like, that's the mentality a lot of people have. Yeah, I guess so. It's not the mentality everyone has, but we'll have that. So what's your vision for the store? Like, when you opened it initially, you didn't really, you know, have a definite goal, and, like, there was a bit of a bumpy start, but you kind of figured it out. Well, so, wait, where did, do you want it to go? I did everything on budget. So when we opened up, I spent $3,000 to open up, and now, no, maybe 4000 something like that. And that was first and last month's rent, and furniture, and everything. I did everything on budget. Every seven, eight months, we do upgrades <coughs> to the store. So we'll get some new display cases and we'll do some renovations. It's a gradual thing. It's small business shut down. I don't want to shut down. Let's do this gradual based on what kind of cash flow I have. Um, where the store wants to go, <coughs> well, there's something I keep mm. thinking about and talking to people about. I have no idea. The store does well as it is. I mean, it's we've been open for maybe an hour. We've had 15, 20 people in the store already. So it, it does well. Um, we have three large storage lockers full of games and a little bit of cards that we might start selling online but I think opening a second store is a good idea whether or not it will happen I don't know if it will happen but it's definitely a good idea online or brick and mortar so you have maybe a second location at some point maybe we'll see I don't know you'll have to clone yourself to make that work yeah or have a good employee that can run a store on, on his own. I know a game store about two years ago opened a second location, and one of the employees is a store manager there. Yeah, I, you kind of need something. Right? Like you can't be at both places at once, so you need yeah. someone to, to at least manage the second location if you do end up going that route. But the thing is, people come in here saying, Hi, Joaquim, how are you? But they know me by name because I know them by name. Yeah, so you need somebody who can do that. Yeah. It's really hard because they're so used to customer comes in, they buy their stuff and they leave. That's the norm. But it's not the norm here. It's your friends. You're welcome to chill and play games. That's fine. We're a family. You're in my home. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to conceptualize that. It's, no, this is not a home. This is a store. But it's my second home. So treat everyone in there like one. And customers don't like that sometimes. They just want to be left alone and buy their stuff and leave. I try to talk to them a little by little every time, and eventually they become friends. But it's breaking them out of that shell, breaking them out of that norm thing that's so hard to do. Mm. Do you have any really memorable customers? Customer stories are one of my favorite uh, Two favorite years topics. ago. Two years ago, we had a customer from London ship me a Christmas present. That was awesome. And it was a sweet Christmas gift. Because I'm someone that came from a broke family, and so... I was always taught, you don't, like, I never really wanted gifts. That's not something I ever wanted. So all my friends know, I don't really want gifts. I just don't. Let's just be friends all the time. And if you need something, I'll just buy you something. If I need something, just buy me something. Yeah. But I don't want a gift for a special occasion. I just never liked that. And to get this package in the mail from my customer was, it was awesome. Because I didn't expect it. I didn't really know the customer too, too well. Okay. I met him maybe four times at most, and he was an hour away. 
and he sent me retro bit um, Nintendo pixel art, not pixel, but I don't know what to call it, but old Nintendo stuff from the 80s that just looked awesome. Okay. And I was so happy. I couldn't believe it. Mostly because I didn't know who, I didn't know the guy too, too well. And he just shipped me a gift. What the hell? quite an impression. Apparently. But that was definitely very memorable. We're good friends now. He moved to Kitchener. So we're good friends now. And I see him a lot more often. But I couldn't believe that happened. So, back when I ran a different company, I met someone at a Tim Hortons. The Tim Hortons was down the road from here. And I collected video games. And this gentleman was to meet up with me at Tim Hortons. And he was... He knew I was into cell phones, but he knew I collected video games. So we met up, let's say 10 o'clock in the morning. I don't really know. And he had the game called Kid Icarus. Mm -hmm. And so he sold me the game called Kid Icarus. And because I talked to everyone, we were talking. And he asked me how much I would pay for the cell phone. Maybe I told him 350 or 400 or something like that. He said, oh, I'm getting 600 online. And I know it just does not make sense. Like, mathematically, it didn't make any sense. So I probed him for more information... And then he told me, oh, this guy's from Jamaica or from some country not in Canada. Okay. And he's already PayPal'd the money, so the money's already in his PayPal account. Okay. And all he has to do is accept it, and he can ship out the phone. And he was ready to ship out the phone because the money's in his PayPal, he saw the money there. Yeah. And that was that. And I'm trying to think, what's wrong with this picture? Something's wrong. I know something's wrong. What's wrong with it? I told him, before you ship out this phone, just go on your PayPal account, like log in paypal.com, and see if the money's there. Do not click on the link in your email box. Just do everything manually. So, I spent like 25 minutes with the guy, convincing, trying to convince him that he's being scammed, because it just didn't make any sense whatsoever. And they said, you know what, Joaquin, fine. After 25 minutes, he said fine, because he knew he was a cell phone expert. Yeah. Went to the computer, money was not there. And he didn't know what was going on. And the and so he said, maybe three days later, thank you so much for saving me, because I would have lost the phone that I paid 400 bucks for, mm-hmm. and I would have lost shipping, because shipping would have been $80 because of the scam. He was sending a fake email that looked like a PayPal account yeah. email and for all we know he might have been stealing his PayPal information because it's it could have been one of those things where you just log in they have your password now and they can take yeah. everything but he was so thankful because I think he was on hard drugs I think mm. and he didn't have much money all his money was spent on drugs and he would have been way in the hole because $400 is a lot of money for anybody yeah and just, he's a downtowner. He comes in once in a while, and he tells everyone great things that I don't rip anybody off, <laughs> and I look after everybody, and he owes me quote unquote his life because four hundred dollars at that time was could ruin rent. Him. Yeah, could have yeah. ruined him. But I spent twenty five minutes with a guy I don't know too too well because I think you're gonna get taken advantage of. It's I care about people around me, right? It's why not. 
what goes around comes around. That's just how that should be. Well, that's how it is. Yeah. So that's probably another memorable story. That's a good one, actually. Oh, God. He tells everybody. You became your ambassador. It's funny how that that pays off. Like one, one solid done for somebody, and they well, become like. The thing speak is, your praises from the mountaintop. Do you want to see someone around you get ripped off? With your friend or not? Do you want to see that? No, no one does. Why would I yeah, want not a anyone? Experience to, for anyone? No, unless you're the person ripping the other guy off. Then, yeah, I guess. Then yeah, you probably do. <laughs> but no, it sucks seeing people get ripped off. I I don't like it. I know we ha- we get this question once in a while. So we have modern on Thursdays. There is another t- there's another store in the city that has modern on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And so some of the not so loyal customers say, "Why do you guys both have it on the same day? Change your day. What the hell?" And I say, "Our loyal customers like it on Thursday." And they wouldn't go to their store anyway. Thursday works for them. Why am I going to change it if we fire all the time? I'm not stealing from that store. Uh, this just works for our, our loyal customers. Yeah. And I mean, the customer in particular that mentioned this yesterday, he comes once every five months. So, so if you come in... Worth? Exactly. If you come in once every five months... No offense. Doesn't matter. If you come in weekly, then it matters. If there's a bunch of you, that then it matters. But our regulars like it on Thursdays. They, they enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other store, coincidentally, is not doing so well anymore. But it's not the same customers. It's another reason. I don't know what that reason is. But the people that are coming to our store on Thursdays, they come not just on Thursdays. They come four days a week. Yeah. That's just how that is, right? Um, so, I mean, it's... Which customers do you want to please? Ideally, you want to please everybody. But customers that come once every five months... It, it's hard. It's hard. Right? I mean... Yeah. We've tried so many different things and figure out what works, what doesn't work. We actually had another customer make up our schedule. Seven months ago. Six months ago. Mm-hmm. And it happened to work. It conflicted with different stores, but it worked. I don't... Again... Yeah fluke that it worked but it worked like Kitchener's in a weird spot too it's kind of like Toronto there's a lot of stores in a very it's small ridiculous. area ridiculous but there's which less players a, yeah which is very unusual because it's not dense there's not like the community is not very it's not even close to Toronto but Kitchener's is an old magic city yeah there's always is. been at least five stores for the past 20 years yeah right it's just yeah that's how it is but because of that because of the fact there's only so many players and then the population is only so high, and there's this number of stores. You can't have a schedule that doesn't interact with somebody. Like, there's almost no way for, unless they all work together. Correct. For them to, like, okay, you, you know, we'll rotate and we'll have everything kind of, like, do this so that no one's stepping on anyone else's toes. But it's it's only so many days of the week, right? Well, you, the thing you is that magic. you would have to have one quote-unquote leader that is... Talking to all the stores, making sure everything works out nicely. But who deserves that title of being leader? The oldest store? The most popular store? What's the most popular store? Like, there's so many variables. And it's just so hard. You want to try to work together, but why do I work together with my competition? It doesn't make any sense. Like, yes, I want to, 
but why? And some stores don't understand the whole, if we all work together, we all do better. Because if you have modern on Monday, you have it Tuesday, you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, our customers got to go everywhere. They got to play every night, day of the week. Yeah, you could theoretically have the same customer hit all five stores or whatever. But if they're playing modern five days a week at five different stores, they're not buying their singles from me. They're buying their singles. They can buy go to any of the five stores because they're going there anyway. And so some stores, they want that bankroll, like you were saying before. It's yeah. not about the customers. It's what makes the customers happy. I mean, we all have stores that have pros and cons. What makes my store better than your store? What makes that store better than that store? What happens? And I know in other cities, they tried store wars. So every store has their six customers or their eight customers or what have, or two customers that compete for the cup. Yeah. And that fell apart because different stores always wanted to host, and different problems with different stores. Yeah, not the only promoting. way that would actually work is like you need some sort of a neutral middle ground that you didn't have <laughs> the home turf kind of thing. It's hard. It's really hard to work with a lot of stores because they're all different mentalities. It's like having six business partners. How, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, a lot of different attitudes, a lot of different opinions. That's six business partners you've never worked with before. Yeah. Which is even harder. Right? They'll Who have thinks their own... they're working against you. Yeah. I think that was the I think that's the biggest misconception for most most game stores have is that you shouldn't be really trying to compete. Like you shouldn't be trying to steal customers away from the game store that's 20, 30 minutes away. Because they're 20, 30 minutes away. They're far enough, it doesn't matter. Well, it, there's that. The overlap, you know, like you, generally speaking, people will go to the closest one. Oh yeah. Like I, the majority of players will just what's the closest store? Yep. Like unless you Unless that store is terrible for some reason. Of course. And drives them away. But that's generally the way it's going to work. So, But when there is that overlap, right? When two stores are close enough that the people in the middle could go to either one and they have a choice. Well, another thing is, like we were talking about Star City versus Troll and Toad. If Star City is sold out of Dragon Lord or but Troll and Toad has 40 of them, why not sell them to Star City? Like, it, it makes sense. Maybe take a 10% cut and let Star City make 10% on it, but sell them the 40 Dragon Lord Orc ties. And vice versa. If Troll and Toad sold it of, of Bloodstained Mire, and Star City has a ton of them, sell them a 10% off. Because you're both gaining. Yeah, you I mean, both win. And like, exactly. That's really what you should be looking for in pretty much every situation. What's well, the win-win here? Yep. Well, How can you make this both work for Exactly. Everybody? Different stores have different needs. I know we sold a lot of fetches one week. So we started paying more for fetches so we could get them. But I would have much rather prefer to trade with our store. Yeah, so like, what, you know, what uh, planeswalker are you out of that people yeah. really dig? And, oh, I've got tons of those. Let's make, work at a it deal would be so that awesome. we can satisfy both of our customers. Yeah, because like you said, you go to your local store. So if we have 80 customers within a 20-minute walk from here that don't go to the store 20 minutes away, it's, they're not able to get those cards. If I can get them from them and they get cards from me, it works out beautifully. But you don't want to work together. Why help your competition? It, it's helping them. It doesn't make sense. That's how a lot of people think. Yeah. Alas. The business. Oh well, it's a lot of fun anyways. Yeah. See, maybe this is the real wrap-up time, though. Okay. Okay, so, <laughs> so I think we covered a lot of great stuff. So, uh, yeah, if people wanted to come, say hi. You know, 
come for check sure. out your store, become part of your friends and family. What do they go? Where do they go? Uh, where do they go online? They can uh, go on Facebook, like Kato Vintage Games, or www.facebook.com slash Kato Vintage Games. Okay. Um, and come in, say hi. They're not pressured to buy anything because when you're at your buddy's house, you don't buy stuff at their house. I mean, <laughs> I have stuff for sale, apparently, but you can come and show. People play games and bring your deck with you because someone else usually has their deck and you can just practice games with them. Yeah. Cool. And what's your address? Oh. How do you? How do they get here? Sorry, uh, three zero one King Street East, Kitchener, Ontario. We're at Cedar and King. There's a big parking lot on Charles and Cedar, off the highway. We're close to the highway. Cool. Well, thanks for doing the interview. No problem. Thank you it. for having us. Okay, I just want to say thank you to Joaquin for coming on the show and letting us into his world for an hour or so. During the interview, I was having flashbacks to my own store, The Last Level, and what it's like running a business in the downtown core. Lots of interesting characters come through the shop, to say the least. If you want more info on Gamester Entrepreneurship, go to maniversaga.com and check out past and future episodes of the Maniverse Podcast. The Maniverse Podcast, talking of which, is supported by listeners like you. You should totally become a patron of the show and go to patreon.com forward slash Maniverse Podcast. If you like what I'm doing here, become a patron of the show and show me some love. And hopefully by this time next week, I'll have my computer problems uh, all figured out and solved and can get back on schedule. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week.